Hello, and welcome back to the Court Sense Podcast. I'm your host, Brian McInnes, and this time around we're going one-on-one with the all-time assist leader for the University of Hawaii men's basketball team, Drew Bugs, stunningly now a former member of the Rainbow Warriors. Bugs, a three-year starter at point guard, recently made a move. The Long Beach native decided to forego his senior season at UH and enter the NCAA transfer portal. Eventually, he chose the University of Missouri among a handful of other suitors. It was a very difficult year for Bugs in 2019-20. In the preseason, there was unimaginable tragedy. His mother, Mary Bugs, was diagnosed with breast cancer and died before the season began. Bugs returned, but as a team leader and floor general, his workload was high and he dealt with some nagging injuries. To top it off, UH didn't get to play in the postseason as its season was effectively canceled the day a Big West tournament was set to begin due to the coronavirus threat. Just brutal all around. He'll explain in his own words his need for a fresh start elsewhere. But before we get started, there are a couple of recent player transactions for UH. They got a pair of Division I transfers announced on the same day. Kasdan Jardine, a 6'7", stretch 4 from Utah Valley, came in as a grad transfer with a year left. Noel Coleman, a native of Belgium, transferred after a single season freshman year at the University of San Diego of the West Coast Conference. He has an obvious tie with UH assistant Chris Gerlison. But now let's welcome in Drew Bugs. All right, I'm joined by Drew Bugs, the longtime point guard for the University of Hawaii. Played three full seasons, spent four total years at UH, has recently decided to go to the University of Missouri for his final year of college basketball. Drew, welcome to the Court Sense Podcast, man. Yeah, how are you doing? Thanks for having me. So, Drew, I think it's finals week right now, um, but being that there's not really any person classes or anything like that, it's all kind of been remote for at least a month now, right? So what's um, mm-hmm. – how these last few weeks been for you as still finishing up at U- University of Hawaii? Yeah, um, just a lot of assignments online. Um, you know, a lot of my teachers have been real flexible and, and kind of just had given us assignments. And at least for me, a lot of them were due just towards the end of the semester. Just, you know, you get them in, try to kind of basically teach yourself being in the upper division classes. And so, you know, with the whole recruiting thing, I've, kind of put uh, all my assignments on the back burner and I've just been finishing them up all now and, and getting close to being wrapping it up and being done with school. And it's, it's kind of surreal. This is not how I envision graduating or, or like, you know, I always envision walking out of my last test or, um, you know, walking out of my last class and just hearing the professor say like, you know, this is the last time we'll be meeting. So it's, it's a little different than I envision, but, um, you know, it's, 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 it's exciting. So you are getting your undergraduate degree, right? That's uh, what you, I guess you have to get in order to to be able to transfer somewhere else as a grad student. So I I know there's no ceremony. You don't get to walk, you know, or anything like that. Like, is there something else? Do you know, like you get to do some kind of remote online walking ceremony Um, or anything like that? Um, I don't, not that I'm aware of. I haven't seen any emails about a virtual ceremony. I just just seen the one about a month ago when they, they canceled it all together. Um, if there is, I, I probably won't attend, uh, <laughs> <you know. laughs> 
for being honest. Uh, I wasn't one that really looked forward to the ceremony so much as just the actual accomplishment of graduating. Right. Um, yeah. So, and I'm just I'm just excited to be done. It's um, it's just crazy. And it's communications, right? Yes, sir. Yeah. Um, so you t- you take that over with you to Missouri, like uh, like we talked about a little bit, um, mm-hmm. and you mentioned the whole process of you know figuring out where you're going to go next. How, how would you just sum up what the whole you know doing the whole NCAA transfer portal thing is like as a student athlete, and how did it play out for you? Uh, it was crazy. Um, you know, my first time around being recruited out of high school, you know, I wasn't heavily recruited. Um, you know, I, I was hearing from schools, but I didn't have a whole lot of offers. I only had three, um, Hawaii, Cal State, Bakersfield, and Dartmouth at the time. But, but I was hearing from a bunch of, bunch of other schools, but, uh, you know, I wasn't highly sought after. So this time around, it, it was a lot different. I remember the first day I, I entered the portal, I kind of went through. I had my, my talks with Coach Gennai, and then I, um, I notified the compliance, and they, they entered me into the, into the portal. And I didn't even know I had entered, and then I realized it because I had about like five phone calls immediately just from different numbers I didn't know. And then checked Twitter, and I had gained like ten followers from coaches. It was just, it was just crazy process. I had never experienced anything like it before, and so um, no, it was, it was crazy. It was a lot. It was pretty up and down, you know. Hearing from a bunch of schools, and then after about like five days, it kind of died down and I didn't really hear from from too many schools and and you know with being on quarantine and lockdown and stuff it's it's kind of tough because there was just nothing really else to do I'm just kind of sitting around expecting phone calls or kind of waiting for phone calls expect you know and you, you just that uncertainty makes it tough when you don't really know where you're going or, or what lies ahead so at times it was just tough just not being able to just not knowing but um, at the same time, I, I was very blessed to be able to, to be recruited by so, so many schools and, and, and so many great coaches and, and universities. Um, you know, I had to put that in perspective that at least I had options. At least I was, you know, um, wanted by, by a good majority of the schools and, and needed. So that, that was also a good feeling. So, Drew, like, you, I mean, was it a matter of minutes after you put your name in the – your name was officially in the portal before like they you got those first contacts yeah well because i didn't even know i was in the portal and i just immediately just started receiving contacts. i had checked my email later and i saw the email said that i was um from compliance saying that i had entered the portal and it matched up with around the same time i was getting all those calls and yeah gotcha. it was it was just it was crazy gotcha so how did you manage to narrow it down to, I believe your final picks were Loyola Marymount, Iowa State, and Mizzou. And I know that like early on in the process, I think, you know, there are a number of Power Five prominent programs out there on Twitter that were kind of showing interest or whatnot. So how did those three kind of become your choices? Um, yeah, it was, it was, uh, was kind of tough. There's a lot of schools, um, you know, even like, there's so many schools I had to just tell some I wasn't interested just just straight off the off the bat and that's kind of you know tough because you never want to really turn away any options or you know um, close a close an opportunity close a door an opportunity but at the same time you don't want to to waste other people's time 
you know, everybody's time is valuable. So if, if there wasn't really a legitimate, legitimate option of me thinking about going there, you know, I tried to be a forward and try to just let some schools know from, from the beginning. Um, but yeah, I just kind of, it was just some things I was looking for. And that was, um, you know, I wanted to go in to have a good relationship with the coaching staff. Um, I wanted to, to challenge myself and play at a higher level. I wanted to have opportunity to come in and make an impact and, and to have a chance to go to the tournament. And so, you know, there's a lot of schools that offer that. Um, when I narrowed it down to three, I liked Loyola Marymount. They had a new coach and coach Stan Johnson came from Marquette. And um, I really just liked his pit there, recruiting me really hard. Um, and that was close to home, right? Yeah, it's close to home. And that, that was one of their big pitches. And, you know, they, they wanted me to come in and, and, and be the guy. And, and they, had, they had some really good players coming back, too. And they wanted me to kind of be come in and be the point guard and talk about how they had the point guard. Um, Iowa State was another one that I narrowed down to because that's where my dad played college football. My mom went there. Um, I have family there. They're season ticket holders. Um, and just a lot of connections there. You know, it's been a dream school of mine um, growing up. You know, I was always just – I really liked the school just because my dad went there. You know, I used to always follow them. And so the opportunity to play there was something that, you know, I was really ex um, excited and blessed to, to have. And then um, Missouri, I, I built a great relationship with Coach Conzo Martin. And, um, you know, they had a really good team coming back. Uh, they were turning majority of their players, but they felt they didn't have a point guard last year. They had two guards that, that, are, that are really good guards, but neither one are really a true point guard. And they felt they wanted me to come in there and compete for the starting spot and be the, be the point guard and help lead the team. They felt they needed, that they needed a big help and leadership, and they felt that I provided that. And uh, over the course of it, I just built the best relationship with Coach Conzo, and I, I felt the most comfortable with the staff. I felt like they knew my game really well. You know, I knew it was going to be a little bit of a challenge because they returned so much. Um, but they did. They do have three guys that are um, testing the waters right now in the NBA draft. So um, if they all three return, we'll, you know, uh, they return basically eight of their nine top players. And they're looking to add a point guard. So, I mean, I just felt like it was a good relationship, good place, uh, place for me to challenge myself, a good basketball environment, a high-level conference, and you know, um, somewhere like I said, one chance to go to a tournament and the team with experience like that, I felt provided a good, op good opportunity. Okay, so Drew, you were probably aware that there's been a few. Hawaii guys or former Missouri guys that have gone back and forth with Mizzou the last just a handful of years ago, you know, Stefan Yankovic, Negus Webster-Chan, and Keith Schamberger all either went back or forth. Did you talk to any of those guys and just get a feel for how things are there versus here and that kind of thing? Yeah, I, I actually did. So, I mean, me and Negus know each other pretty well. He's always out here, and he's one of the guys that, um, you know, every time he, he's out here, we link up and we have a good relationship, even though I never played with him. He's an older guy. But um, the coaches had reached out to him from Missouri, and they had him reach out to me. And he, and he t uh, told me about the school. You know, he, he said he, he, he knows where I'm coming from. He has a lot of love for Hawaii, but he said he also loves Mizzou and that he felt it was a good place and that, um, you know, it was a, 
he thought he thought it was a good fit for me, um, basketball wise as well. And then also they they reached out to Keith and Keith uh, Shanberger uh, reached out to me as well. He was real helpful throughout the process. We talked a lot. And we had known each other um, from back home playing in some open gyms and stuff. And so he was just he also was telling me about how he felt it was a good fit. He watched their team a lot last year and he felt that they needed a point guard and, and that's what the coaches were saying was true. And um, you know, they both had good things to say about coach coach Conzo, even though they've never played for him. Um, just the relationship they still have with him and they haven't even played for him uh, meant a lot. Right. So for the, the Hawaii fans who, who may or may not remember, Conzo Martin was the coach at Cal at the time when Hawaii played them in the NCAA yeah. tournament. So I know you were, Drew, were watching those games pretty intently, having committed to Hawaii already at the time. It's kind of a funny happenstance that you're going to be playing for both of those coaches in that in that first round game by the time yeah. you're said and done. <laughs> um, <laughs> But you talked about, I mean, wanting to help bring them back to the NCAA tournament. I mean, Mizzou, I think 15 and 16 overall last year, 7-11 in the SEC. Uh, that was Conzo Martin's third year there. Last time they made the tournament was, I believe, in his first year there, 2017-18. The last time uh, Mizzou won a tournament game was in 2010. So would that kind of represent a pretty nice capstone to your career, I guess, or is that the goal to, to end your career out on maybe bringing them back to that level? Yeah. Uh, most definitely that's I feel like that's my only goal heading into my my last year in college basketball is to to do everything I can as a as a leader and as a guy with experience and try to help uh, get this talented young team to the tournament and and help them just learn what it takes to compete but also learn myself what it takes to compete at at that power five at the high level and and try to set myself up to continue to play professionally and also just learn under the coaching staff but that's always been a goal of mine that's been a goal of mine here in Hawaii was to get to the tournament and I felt we had a really good chance this year um you know before everything ended but um yeah that's that's definitely my goal heading in there next year that's the reason why I chose that school and I felt comfortable with them was because of the surrounding talent and opportunity that we have yeah so let me go back with you Drew before everything got shut down this past season I mean you guys are over there in, in Southern California at the Honda Center, right? I mean, getting ready for the tournament. The UH women have already played uh, one of the earlier round games. It was maybe, what, the day before the, the tournament was set to begin that, that everything was announced as shut down? It was the day of. Day of breakfast. Right, the day of. Thank you. Yeah, so I, what was that like for, for you and your teammates? To, how do you remember that? Man, it was crazy. I remember uh, you know, it was kind of weird over the whole course of the week. Just you kind of just started to see everything kind of just get shut down slowly and slowly. You could kind of see it coming. Like I believe the NBA shut down the day before, and so you could kind of see the writing on the wall. But you know, the last we had heard was just no fans. So you know, we all were just cool with that because we just wanted to play, and we felt you know we were finally healthy again. We felt. You know, we, we kind of hit our stride. Even though we lost at Northridge, we, we were playing well. You know, they just happened to hit more shots than us down the stretch. But we felt good about the way we were playing um, heading into the tournament. I remember I woke up that morning feeling really well, feeling like, you know, that we were going to have a great game. And then at breakfast, they kind of just told us. And then that's kind of when it became real that that it was all just over with. 
nothing was no going back and changing it. And yeah, I mean, never would I imagine that that's how a season would end. Uh, I don't think anybody would. It was first for everybody, so. And I mean, that time of year is what everybody plays for, right? You know, everyone knows yeah. that's where the NCAA bid comes from and in the Big West. Especially, yeah, especially in our conference, uh, we know everybody in our team knows, I mean, in our league knows that any team can win it. Uh, it's, it's all about just catching hot, getting hot, because, you know, our, our league is so competitive, even from the first place team to the last place team. Right. Um, it's, it's not it's not a big gap. So everybody, you know, has that uh, energy and you can feel it. We stayed in the same uh, hotel as Davis. You could just feel the energy in the in the hotel with the other teams there. And you could just the tension and everybody was just ready to go. I know you guys had some uh, really hard finishes in the Big West tournament the previous two years, right? I mean, there were there were both times the other team really came back and won almost at the last second, basically at the last second. Um, so, I mean, just from that vantage point, not getting, you know, that final chance to kind of write your guys' own narrative, you know, make a run. Um, w- was that one of the things that stung the most coming out of that? Yeah, for sure. I mean, anytime, you know, you go out there and you, you compete and you lose, you, you can live with it because you left it all out there on the line. But not being able to compete and just having to end is kind of tough, like but not knowing. You know, of course, those losses hurt, but at least I know, like, I left it all out on the line in the previous years of the tournament, and that that was just the end result was that we lost. It wasn't uncertain, like, how it was this year. You never, we never know what may happen, and so that that's kind of the hardest part of getting a chance to go out there. So, Drew, with all the – you mentioned the uncertainty. I mean, we're still in very uncertain times right now, you know, as far as the future of sports, when everything can open back up. Will there be fans? You know, that kind of thing. It seems like we're a ways off. But – so everyone's kind of planning for this next college basketball season to, you know, go ahead as relatively normal teams scheduling out, you know, filling out their schedules, players figuring out where they're going to play next. What chance or – what hope do you have, I guess, that, you know, this coming 2020-21 basketball season will be played on a relatively normal basis or maybe in a, in a modified sense? I'm very hopeful. I, you know, uh, I, want it to, I want it to be normal like how everybody else does, um, you know, and uh, just for reasons outside of basketball as well, you know. But um, it'll be interesting. You know, I, I, I try to read up as on as much stuff as I can on Twitter in terms of the basketball and in terms of um, in general, just trying to stay up to date and try to uh, see if there will be any kind of a clear picture. Um, but I don't know. And I feel like that's something that played into the fact that me chose Missouri to have an experienced team, having a team that um, with all this uncertainty, it's a lot of guys that, that know the system and know what they're doing and, and I'm confident in myself to pick up a system really quick. And, and, and I've been watching a ton of film on my own. So, you know, I'm, I'm hoping and I'm anticipating that it's going to try to be as normal as they can, but got no clue. <laughs> I don't think any of us do, man. It's, uh, you know, as somebody's followed college basketball a while now too, or had to do it as my job, I mean, that not having the, you know, all the co- – all the the conference tournaments and the March Madness was was just 
it was a shock to the system, man. So I, I'm with you. I really hope they can figure out a way to get things rolling like normal. Drew, how do you process this past season? I mean, start to finish, it, it was your third year on the court as the point guard for the Rainbow Warriors. And right from the, the start of the season, man, even preseason, it took on a, a different meaning for you personally with uh, the, the tragic uh, death of your mom. Uh, Mary Bugs in the preseason. You you had to take a leave from the team in the preseason to go be with your family. You come back uh, just days before the the opener, right? And how just I mean, from right from the jump of the season, just did that whole season take on a different tone or meaning for you? Yeah, um, yeah, it was just a crazy year. Um, you know, I I had made the decision to to stay in Hawaii over the summer because I was so focused on this upcoming on the season and I wanted to, um, you know, just have my best season and wanted to try to take Hawaii back to the tournament. I felt we had a really good team to do so. And so I stayed out here all summer and kind of rehabbed and, and uh, worked out and was just trying to, to, to get better. And, um, you know, my mom wanted me to come home, of course, but so I did go home for about a week in August, right before school started. Um, and I'm home, and on like the Friday, I think I was leaving on Saturday. So on like Friday, my mom was admitted into the hospital, and we didn't even know uh, my dad took her. And then my dad kind of told us that, you know, my mom has cancer, uh, breast cancer, and it has spread to her back. And so, you know, I'm flying out the next day and that was hard to, to, to leave my mom knowing that she's in the hospital. And so I, I came I came back to school, started school and was just really focused on basketball. I was talking to my mom as much as I can and, and she was doing she was doing better from from my my standpoint and then I'd say probably the you know, official practices start the end of September, right? And I was at that point in in October I was probably playing from a personal standpoint, my best basketball I've ever ever been playing. I, I felt like I was playing at an extremely high level, and, and I feel like the coaches and, and teammates would, could attest to that. And, and I was playing, you know, because I, I was so motivated to play this year already for my mom, and she was motivated to get better. And she wanted to go to the Illinois game because she's from Iowa and all her family's out there. So I was just motivated to have a big season. And, um, yeah, and, uh, late October, like a week, I got I got a call, for, a FaceTime from my dad, and my dad never FaceTimes me. So I kind of had a feeling that, that something was different. And we had a late practice because it was a Monday. And I think someone has class to like 4.30, so we didn't practice till like 5, 5.30 that day. And so I get a FaceTime from my dad, and and it's like my whole family there. And then I see that my mom's sisters and my, and my dad's sister is there, so kind of got a sense and he just basically he's like I'm gonna just he, he asked me what I was doing I told him I'm about to go to practice I'm getting ready he's like I'll make it quick then and he kind of just broke the news to me that my mom was in critical condition and that um yeah she was non-responsive and and he kind of um yeah he just told me that he told me that um he didn't know what I wanted to do and I so right after that I went straight to the coaches and I and I told him, and I you know I broke down. I'm crying, 
But I wanted to practice because I didn't want to just being in Hawaii, being away from my family, there's really nothing I, I could really do. So I didn't want to just sit at home and, and think about it. I know I love this team so much and, and the university. I, I went to practice and you know, I practiced and, and I worked out. And thankfully, David Matlin and Coach Gannat, you know, they were real understanding and, and real helpful and, and helped give me a flight home. And, and um, so I was able to go home and see my mom for a couple of days before she passed. And, you know, being home, I, I wasn't working out at all. I wasn't touching the ball. I was straight with family, coming straight back to the season. Um, it was tough, but I knew that's what my mom would want me to do is fulfill my commitment to the team. She knew – she was my biggest fan, my biggest supporter. She knew how much basketball meant to me. She she wouldn't want me to not play or miss the season or anything. She knew how big the season was to me. So, you know, I, I knew that I had to get it back out there for my team and, and for my mom and for myself and just um, give it – leave it all out there on the floor. And, and I – you know, I felt like I struggled on a personal level this year. I, I didn't play to the expectations I have for myself. And but you know I I don't regret anything. I know I left it all on the line, and I you know I loved every moment of the season. Um, I loved playing my teammates. It was it was tough. Personally, I I was at times I was losing my love for the game this year. But my teammates, the fans, the university, they kept me going. Um, and, and you know I, I I loved going out there and competing every night and, and putting that Hawaii across my chest and. It was, it was just an up-and-down season for the team as well, you know, not having Ahmed, a junior, not being able to come to the middle of the year. Samuto was playing really well and got hurt. Bernardo was playing outstanding and got hurt. And so it was just kind of one of those years where, you know, every time we seem to be building some momentum, we, we had a challenge. And but I feel like that's why we were destined to do great things in March because our team had faced so many challenges throughout the year. Our season was so up-and-down that we knew that we were ready for anything. We were battle-tested. We had came back from big deficits. We had um, battled with guys hurt. And, you know, the teams the teams before, we were real talented teams, but we probably weren't as battle-tested as this team was. And I feel like that was shown in March when we um, lost two close games that, that we felt we should have won. I felt like that was going to be the difference this year was this team had, had gone through that and matured. Gotcha. Gotcha, man. So you mentioned that practice, you know, right when you found out your mom was critically ill. Um, was was that one of the, the just the tougher moments to, to get through or had it not really fully hit you yet? Was there a moment that – what was kind of the toughest, most challenging part of the year, you think? Um, yeah, no, that was definitely a tough practice to get through, but – I mean, no, like I, I didn't even tell any of my teammates. Only the coaches knew. Uh, I didn't want, you know, to, to take away from anything else. I wanted to just, you know, focus on basketball while we were in the gym and just try to get my mind off because that's what I love to do, and that, that helped me get my mind off things. I think one of the hardest things was was just, you know, after every game, I'm used to talking to my mom and, and just, you know, she'll tell me about the game and, and what she saw. And she, you know, she's my biggest fan, but she's also uh, will critique me as well and tell me some things. And, and it was just nice to hear about her from her. And, uh, you know, I, and I talk to my dad a lot, but he's not uh, 
as much into the technology and the phones as my mom is. He he's he don't really like to text a call unless he has to. I mean, he will, but you know, he he'll watch every game. But um, you know, my mom was always the one that would, that would reach out for sure. And so it was a little, little different, but um, you know, it meant a lot having my mom's family, her sisters, her brothers, um, and my grandparents. Um, they all stay up and watch our games in Hawaii. And, you know, they, they've done that over the course of the years, but they did even to, to a larger extent this year in terms of almost every game that they, they stayed up and watched. And, you know, some of them fell asleep during it because it's like 2, two o'clock out there. But, um, you know, it meant a lot to, to just have them all watch me. And I feel like that's something that also led to my decisions. Um, you know, a lot of people assume, like, I wanted to be in California or close to my family. Um, you know, but I also, you know, have a lot of family in the Midwest that, that does a lot for me and supports me. And, you know, they've had to stay up late numerous times and for them to be able to, to have the chance to drive in Missouri and, and come see multiple home games, um, possibly come to my senior night and as well just watch games in their time zone on TV would be, uh, um, it would mean a lot to me. Sure. So, when um and you mentioned you know your mom would always be the one contacting you after the games she i mean growing up she was kind of like your one of your basketball coaches right i mean she played college ball at iowa state uh where your parents met and um I, i'm sure she was always i think you told me previously she would be one of the people giving you kind of some tips and feedback on your on your game right yeah yeah well my mom didn't actually play at iowa state she just she just went to Iowa State, but she played okay. high she played high school basketball. She was all in all state in in basketball and softball. So she you know she was an athlete herself. She just didn't play in college. And she played in high school the six on six. <laughs> she used to always joke with me about that. So she, I always joke with her because six on six for women's like they only had three on each half of the court. So she only played offense. So I'd always tell her she can't tell me anything about defense. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, she was just always someone. I mean, both my parents were, um, you know, they're real hard on me and they have real high expectations. And, you know, my dad is is um, big time competitor and he, you know, he doesn't take competing lightly. So um, he, he instilled that competitive nature in me from, from a young age. And, and my mom's always, um, you know, coaching me up as well. So um, both of them are just, you know, big on me and help give me a lot of uh, tips and, and just um, advice and, and the support along the way. Well, you mentioned, you know, leaning on your, your teammates and uh, the team as a whole along the way this past season, too. I think there were a number of games they – you know, they, they wore the, the pink shoes with you, uh, different ways to support the, the Mary Bugs pregame T-shirts and warm-ups, things like that. Um, yeah, just how much did you lean on those guys, uh, you know, guys like Samuto, who you've, you've played with for a few years now, um, Zigmars along the way? Uh, I mean, I, I leaned on those guys a lot. Those are guys that, you know, I have a lot of love for and, and have built a great relationship with them. And, you know, everybody from the staff, like Coach Jabari had came to me with the idea to get the, the warm-up shirts. And, you know, I was all for it. It was, you know, all everybody else's idea to, to honor my mom. 
you know, and that that meant a lot. Um, just showed the, the support they have for me, and you know, just makes me want to to give my my all on the court every single night and leave it out there for those guys because I know they would do the same for me. And so, you know, those just the guys that you spend a lot of time around over over the your course of the course of my years here and you just build relationships with and it, it just goes beyond basketball and those are those are friends and brothers I have for for life and be able to hit, um, talk to for life about anything and, and they know I'll do anything for them so I know you had to play a pretty heavy workload this past year from a minutes perspective, I think you were at like 35 a game. There were times you had to go go the full 40. What was that like to to endure? You know, I, you're a guy who came in with a pretty severe leg injury, uh, ACL and meniscus tear, right from from your high school days. Redshirted a year to to rehab and get back. And I think there's been some fair to say some like nagging, just recurring things with that along the way. How was it to to play such a heavy workload this past year through that? I mean, as a, as a competitor, as as a player, I, I love it because you know you never want to come out the game. Like I love being able to play. Like I want to play. I want to be out on the court the whole time. You know, it's a dream. But um, at the same time, it, it does take a toll on you. Like college basketball is very physical, and it's a long season. It's the only college season that goes both semesters. And, you know, we, we start the grind in the summer. So, and, and we grind in the spring too. And so it's, it's basically year, year, year round. And, um, you know, there's a lot that goes into it. So it's tough. And, I, and you know, here in Hawaii, we have pretty um, long and, and physical practices as well. Um, you know, Coach Gannat, like, he believes uh, in practice a lot and, and building good habits for the games. And, and and he believes that it translates, and, and, and it does. And, um, you know, so that makes it just a tough year when, when you're going so many reps in practice and then, and then playing in, in a full game and banged up. And, and someone like me, I, I play with no regard for my body. I, I leave it all out on the floor because that's how much I want to win. So, um, you know, during the game, don't feel it too much because too much adrenaline. I have a pretty high pain tolerance. I'm just having fun, and, and, and I don't want to come out the game. But after, yeah, it's tough. I, I go straight to the ice uh, ice bath, the cold tub and the hot tub, and I'm not just chilling there. And I usually don't get home until like 11, 11.30 just because I, I need to do my recovery because I'm going through it after the game. <laughs> that Man, that's an ordeal. I, I believe it. You probably, I mean, you talked about going all out. I think the play that typified that or, or really let everybody know, I guess, that you were going to be giving it your all for the season was pretty early on against um, Pacific, right, in the opening tournament, the Rainbow Classic. Mate, you and Mate knocked the ball free from one of the Pacific players near midcourt, and uh, I think you pretty much laid out along the baseline the call timeout, and uh, turned that play, turned the tide, was a winning play, so – um, you know, I think people will definitely remember you for, for moments like that, uh, along with the assists, which you are, of course, the assist leader. Uh, now you depart as the all-time assist leader at the University of Hawaii, 437. You passed Troy Bowe late in the year uh, at Cal Poly, which was a loss, but you still passed him in that game. 
leaving as the all-time assist leader, you, you touched upon it at the time, of course, but what did that mean to you? No, I mean, by the end of the year, knowing that you were the assist leader, not necessarily that you were leaving, but uh, having that under your belt when you came in, not necessarily as a point guard, right? Yeah. Um, no. Something like you dream about is like leaving your mark and just on on your program or something. I've always dreamed about was you know leaving my mark on a program on being you know remembered for some you know being a legend as they say or something like that. That's always been the dream of mine. I wanted to to be to be somebody and leave my leave my mark. And so you know it's still kind of weird. Like I I don't really think about it until someone says it and I kind of remember like oh yeah I am like the assist leader. Like I mean it's it's cool and it's it's a blessing and it's um you know to 100 years of the program and so many great players that come through to be known as the the number one or the king of assists is um yeah, it means a lot you know i've always believed in myself to, to play point guard or be a, um, a floor general and I, you know i feel like that comes from my playing football growing up. I played quarterback, so I just I feel like I was used to the leadership and being the head of the snake um, kind of guy. So, you know, even though I never really played it, I was always a guard. We just had more smaller point guards at my high school that were just – that could only play point guard. So, um, you know, coming here, I, I put a lot of time, a lot of work into it. Um, I, I watched a ton of film and and just – looked at my reads, made sure I knew all my reads. I mean, I, I know what everybody does in every play. And, you know, just it's a credit to my teammates as well. I played with good players, a lot of great players that, that make it easy for me. Uh, you know, I've played with a lot of guys that can shoot. I've played with big men like Gibson and Mike. Um, yeah, just – um, and it means a lot to just have the trust that I did from the coaches to have the ball in my hands as much as I did to be able to make these decisions. Having that under your belt, I mean, three years of being a point guard at the Division One level, uh, going on number four now. I know you want to be a coach someday. You've talked about that. How much, you know, will you maybe one day call upon those experiences of having to, you know, lead a team on the floor and the kind of be be the floor general, be the guy calling the shots, at least on the floor. Of course, you defer to your coach on the bench. But, you know, when one day maybe you are coaching up some some young guys of your own team, what do you think you're going to kind of come come back to these times and, and remember and try to relate to them? Yeah, most definitely. I feel like, you know, that's something that I will be able to bring when I'm a coach is my background as a player. And, you know, I – I've shown over the course of my career that, you know, I'll show that to my players and they'll be able to know that, you know, I'm not just someone that's just saying saying things. You know, I've backed it up and I've done it, you know, and, and um, you know, I feel like anytime you are able to have accomplishments on or off the court, but, you know, that, that holds value and that holds weight in terms of what, it, um, what people uh, – how people respect your opinion or, or stuff like that. And I feel like I'll be able to relate to uh, maybe a young guard I might have that has never played point guard. I'll be able to help, you know, tell them, like, it's possible to, to learn the position, um, you know. And, you know, you can develop your leadership traits. 
you know, I've always looked at myself as a leader, but I wasn't always as vocal as I was, as I am now. You know, I, had to, I learned to lead different ways. And when I was a younger guy, I, I had to lead more by example because what I what I said didn't really carry weight because I hadn't proved anything at the Division One level. So, you know, I had to just kind of prove stuff just by my actions and how, and how I did things. And so I feel like my accomplishments and, and what I've learned on the court um, will go a long way with me coaching and, you know, I want to keep playing for as long as I can, but I'm also super excited to get into my coaching career. It's something I've really looked forward to for a long time. When do you think you realized that was something you wanted to do? Uh, officially, I'd probably say ninth grade. Yeah? That's that's when I coached my first team. I coached my, my sisters. Yeah, I coached the middle school flag football team at my old middle school, and my, sis my sister played for it as well. Um, she came out and played for me, and I had I have two two guys on that team that play at Arizona State. One plays receiver; they're twins. One plays receiver, one plays corner, and they still hook me up to this day. And, and you know, they went to high school with me. They followed me to the same high school. And so no, they always talk about how much they've learned from me and you know how they look up to me. And those are um, you know some some talented kids that I, you know I, I continue to support, and I'm proud of them as well. They, really well. So Drew, I mean, all, all the talk of wanting to be a coach when it came time that you made up your mind, or at least you were leading the way of going to the NCAA transfer portal. Uh, what, what was it like, you know, talking to Coach Gannott and letting him know like, hey, this is what I'm thinking, or this is what, what I'm leading toward? How, how just did that go, not only with him, but with, I guess, the coaching staff and, and maybe your teammates as well? Um, yeah, I went um, you know, it was a hard conversation to have. It was tough, you know, because uh, I have so much love for it. these coaches, um, the university, these teammates, you know. And it, was, it was tough. And, um, you know, basically I just kind of told Coach Goodnight I wanted to have a meeting with him. And he, he really didn't know that, that it was coming. Um, and I just kind of want – I just – express my gratitude first and foremost of, for, you know, for him taking the chance on me and bringing me out here and, and believing in me. And just, um, I told him that, you know, I've been thinking about it a lot with my family and kind of having to talk and, you know, all the, after everything that's happened this past year, from personal level for me, the team, with him, just everything that's gone on that, um, you know, he, he knew that this was a tough year for me. We've had our conversations throughout the year, and I've told him at times how tough it has been. And I just told him, you know, I felt that I need to at least explore my options and just make sure, you know, I'm, I'm heading into this last year with the, with the best fit for me personally, somewhere where I'm going to be happy and, and have the love for basketball and enjoy my last year. Like I said, it was nothing having to do with coach or anything, but I'm just at points this year. I just didn't have the love for it. It's just tough being here doing the same thing and not here and having that one missing piece of my mom. Like everything was the same, and then not having my mom. You know, I have playing a game in the stand sheriff and everything. Having a post game interview, expecting my mom to text me, and it's like it's just tough. So. And I just told him I wanted to explore my options, and I was open to coming back if if I felt Hawaii was the best fit for me. 
and um, if he would have me, of course, because I know, you know, so, you know, not everybody would be as understanding as Coach Gennar or would take it that way in terms of me wanting to explore my options. Some people look at it as, as a selfish move. But um, Coach Gennar is real understanding. And, um, you know, our conversation really well. He asked me, you know, how he could help. And, you know, he told me that I'm part of the program for life. And it, it means a lot. We just had a good talk after that. We just talked about the program and, you know, and I told him I like, I felt the program's heading in a good direction. And, and we, we just had a good conversation about, about basketball and, and about, and it was just good. And the rest of the coaches were real understanding as well. I mean, we build good, great uh, relationships with everyone, and they all, you know, tell me to keep in touch. And I talked to Coach Garrison, and we built a really close relationship even after just one year. Um, and so, you know, it's tough, and then as well for the team, letting letting the guys know um, that hurt, but they they all understand as well. They're all real understanding, and still, you know, talk to we still talk, and we're still all cool and everything, and. And they know, and I told them, like, this doesn't change anything, that they can hit me up for anything. In the middle of the season next year, if they had a question on the play, they could hit me up. I hope them out. Those are going to be my brothers for life. Yeah, Drew, I mean, being that I believe you won, like, the, you know, the, the team leadership award the last two years, obviously you're a leader on the court. You mentioned you think they're heading in a good direction. This coming year, you know, if uh, based on who they brought in and such, what do you, what do you kind of see for this this team without you? I mean, um, what kind of hands is this team in? I feel like this team is in in great hands. Um, you know, you, you got this the first time since I've been maybe the, yeah the first time I think that the whole staff is returning right since since I've been here at least that um, we've lost Sounds at right. least one. Lost at least one staff member, I believe, every year. So we'll have the whole staff returning. Coach Gerlison, um brought brought some new things in this year that that was really well for our program. And I feel like having the whole year. A lot of people understand he came in September, and you know we we were playing. He barely got to learn how we got to, how we played and and stuff in our games and learned about us. So I feel having, um, but then again, you don't really know what this. COVID-19 when the whole team will be out here again as well. So you may have another shortened year, unfortunately. Perhaps, perhaps. But, I mean, yeah, the staff is great. Um, The staff is excellent. You got Coach Gerson, Coach Gennat. um, Should have a full year this year. He's getting healthy. And and, um, then you have guys like Samuta, who's going, I believe, is is an all-league player. Uh, I believe Justin Hemsley is, is poised for a breakout as well. You saw it in flashes last year. Justin Webster, um, young, real talented guard, and he can put the ball in the basket. Um, I feel those three, Bernardo, showed flash where he can be. I feel Mate will be um, good next year. He'll provide more consistency as he continues to um, to grow and, and learn. And then um, the new guys as well, Bawali. Um, I know he looks he looks young and hungry, and, and Dion looks um, Dion's a big kid that that is talented, and um, the the two JUCO guys as well. Um, I know they're gonna bring in some experience and and just some competitive fire that comes from being at a JUCO, and it comes from 
Um, you know, those are two guys I know that that are looking to come in and compete for a starting spot and help, you know, be a major piece of this team. So I feel like this team is really coming along well, and I feel like the Big West is, is wide open next year. And I feel like we, we uh, as in Hawaii, possess one of the, the uh, more talented teams on paper so far heading into next year. Drew, I mean, you, you've covered a wide range of topics for me, and I appreciate that a lot. Um, I guess I'll, you know, I'll wrap it up by asking you, how do you think you'll be remembered out out here at Hawaii? You know, for the four total years you put in, three as a player on the court, one of the visible faces of of the program for uh, quite a while. So, how do you think the fans, the the beat writers, how do you think we'll all remember you out here? Oh man. <sighs> I like to be remembered as just, uh, you know, a, a good player that that competed and, and, and loved to win, and uh, you know, loved the university and just uh, a real down to earth guy that that um, just loves Hawaii. <laughs> I mean, I just uh, want to be I want to be remembered for what I did on the court. Obviously, you know, a point guard that, that started, I believe, every game but, but four or three. Um, all-time assist record. Um, and just, yeah, all-around competitor that that left it on the floor every time he played for Hawaii. Well, um, I do hope you get to enjoy a legit done-up-right senior night over there at Mizzou. It, it is a shame that you didn't get to – participate in one out here at Hawaii. It was a pleasure watching you grow these last few years. Me starting out as the beat writer when you came in and as a support guy for the Star Advertiser by the time you left. So it was fun, man. I wish you the best of luck on your next uh, stop on the road. And uh, I'm sure we'll be following you from afar, no matter when the season starts or how it's played and uh, in the years beyond. Yeah, I appreciate that. Thank you for everything. All right, Drew Bugs, thanks a lot for coming on the Court Sense Pod. We'll catch you later. All right, thanks for having me. Okay, that's it for this podcast. But look out Saturday for our second pod of the week, this one with NBA super agent Bill Duffy, who kindly gives us a half hour to talk about all things NBA, the state of the league, and how he feels about the Jordan documentary The Last Dance, which has its finale on Sunday. Check it out. Also, be sure to keep checking out our other local sports podcasts here in Hawaii. We got Let's Talk Sports with Kanoa Leahy and Jordan Helly. And there's also the Dave and Tiff podcast with Dave Kawada and Tiff Wells. Take it easy, everybody.